Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to register for our next workshop coming up April 28th through the 30th in Pennsylvania in the beautiful Poconos along the Delaware River. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY. That's 1-800-497-8748 or visit gatewaymen.com. You're listening to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Brought to you by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us on the web at puresexradio.com. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and we have uh, back with us again this time, Ken Snyder. Ken, it's good to have you back. Good to be with you. Yeah, so uh, before we dive in, we're going to uh, we're going to kind of revisit Ken's story just a little bit, and then we're going to try to get into some practical tools and tips for uh, for recovery. But before we do that, uh, I want to let you listeners know about our Gateway to Freedom Workshop for Men. This is our three day intensive for men who are wanting to overcome any kind of sexual sin or strong, uh, stronghold. And so, if you're a man twenty years old or older. Uh, with any kind of background, whether you're married, single, divorced, uh, whether you're a pastor or in full-time ministry, uh, this weekend workshop can be tremendously helpful for you uh, to be able to break through to some deeper levels of healing and growth. And so to learn more about the Gateway to Freedom workshop and the next workshop coming up, you can simply go to gatewaymen.com. We have workshops that uh, are taking place in Texas, Pennsylvania, Colorado, and later this year we are opening up Florida in August. So again, that's gatewaymen.com, or you can call us toll-free at 1-800-49-PURITY. So Ken, last time uh, you were able to share your story with us and just all of the kind of ups and downs to that process. And so this time what I'd love to, what I'd love for us to talk about is just getting into a little bit more of the the nuts and bolts of that. Like, what was it? What did it take for you to eventually get to that breaking point of really entering true recovery instead of maybe some of the false starts or some of the things that didn't seem to be that helpful for you, moving you in that direction? So, why don't you real briefly give us a, just kind of a a recap of your story and then maybe help us dive into how you eventually got into real recovery. To, to give you a brief recap, um, child's an alcoholic whose approval I never could win, and I initially escaped as a kid pre-puberty into books and writing and then pornography and uh, eventually sex uh, as an adolescent. Uh, my addiction bit me in the rear uh, when I was in college. I was a hippie, but I was totally isolated. I did not participate in the sexual revolution. 
resolution. Managed to get married, and my addiction cost me that first marriage because after six months of marriage, I didn't want to have sex with my wife anymore because that equated too much to emotional intimacy. And intimacy is the biggest fear and dread of any sex addict because we all are walking and living in shame. I managed to get married a second time, but at, at, when this relationship, I, I was able to, uh, to to bring the Lord into it. But getting saved is getting your ticket punched to heaven. you got to do some other things if you're a sex addict to, to really get free of the addiction. And uh, I uh, that was where things, things don't, I don't know why, Jonathan, maybe in my case, they didn't move that rapidly. I remember getting on my knees and praying one night in 1984, God, take this away from me. And I meant it. And it was six years before I found out what I was, that I was a sex addict. And another 10 years, really, before I found Jesus Christ in recovery, the secular recovery didn't work for me. And I I won't say it doesn't work for everybody, but it didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that that is briefly my story. Uh, What I found, you know, I I think the first steps in it is, you know, one, acknowledging I have a problem I can't manage. And that's that's kind of a paraphrase of uh, the 12 steps of step one. The, 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 The key thing for anyone who's struggling with this is that you cannot do this. You cannot fight this battle alone. You have to have other men, and I'm not talking about pastors or uh, your brother or whatever. You have to have other men who know what you're going through, fellow sex addicts. And ideally, you want to, first of all, develop a relationship one-on-one with another man who's further down the path than you, who's further in recovery, who can who can encourage you, who can hold you accountable, who can tell you what, what stages you're in, uh, where the, where the uh, minds are in the minefield, and develop that relationship. And, of course, at the same time that's happening, you're actually becoming intimate with someone. It's an emotional friendship. Uh, you know, uh, you're beginning to break the bonds of isolation. You're opening up to someone. You're you're revealing to them the worst things and most shameful things you ever did in your life. And the key thing is you're not getting judgment in return, but you're making a connection with another human being. You don't feel so badly about yourself, and the shame begins to recede in your life. So let me ask you about that. So when you first started to develop these kinds of bonds with other men, when you first started to be able to share your story openly without there being, you know, reprisal against that, without there being, you know, shame thrown back in your face, and and you started to enter into those types of um that type of community let me ask you having been you know that having that not been your normal environment that you were used to i mean like you said you did not have that kind of environment growing up you did not find that obviously in porn and illicit sex so what did that feel like for you initially when you were basically embraced in that kind of a, an environment well it, it was it was freeing uh you know, it's kind of funny. I'm I began uh, looking for answers to to my sex addiction problem with AA of all things because I, there was no there there just wasn't uh, anything else at the time. And I'll never forget going to an AA meeting, and I know this was God's providence. Uh, it came up, you know, something about this guy's struggle with pornography. Well, the devil is such a liar, but we we're, we will believe it. I thought I was the only person on the face of this earth who struggled with this. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to walk outside and scream, Eureka, hallelujah. Uh, but then when I when I entered the faith-based group, you know, your personality and who you are 
God really needs to mold you. And I had a powerful moment. Uh, one of the one of the defense mechanisms I had as a as a kid, adolescent, whatever, was wit. I was the class clown in my high school, and I was very entertaining. Uh, I could make you laugh, and I wanted you to like me. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to be liked. I wanted you to like me, but I wanted to keep you at a distance. Don't get too close because I'm really rotten inside. I do mm. some horrible things in secret, but please like me. And so I, I used that. I, I was about six months in the in the room, and this guy who was a very very gifted musician uh, had performed with some huge uh, country acts and whatever. He he said uh, I sold all my guitars, and he sold them because of his ego and how much his ego was wrapped and his identity was wrapped up in his in his music. And boy, the Lord really, really just shook me to the core because he pointed out to me is your identity is in humor. Your mm-hmm. identity is in, is in entertaining people, and it's a false identity. You want them to like you, but you don't love yourself, and you, don't, you won't allow them to love you. Really shook me up, and I remember thinking, God, so you want me to shut up? And he sort of said, yep. And I did. I sat quietly for the next six months and just took things in and listened. And, and I wasn't, you know, entertaining. I was just a student of recovery and trying to learn from the men around me. It was a very humbling experience, but it was a key uh, moment in my in my own recovery to set aside the stick, I love that Yiddish word, uh, that, I, that had carried me through life. Well, and and you said something there that I really want to hone in on because I think it's one of the most fundamental uh, characteristics that indicates real transformation taking place. And it's one of the base, the foundational, I believe, one of the foundational characteristics of a man of integrity. And that's when you talked about it being a humbling experience. And so let's talk about humility for a little bit in terms of just how critical that is in this whole process of transformation and recovery. It is absolutely, uh, you know, it is the first step, uh, becoming humble, realizing that, you know, first of all, I've hurt a lot of people. Mm. Uh, I've hurt myself. And I always refer to that as counting the cost. Uh, and just realizing that, you know what, I've, I have done some bad things and I'm not, I'm not anything, you know, you may try to tell yourself, oh, I'm okay. Well, uh, you got to start at square one. Hey, I'll never forget, I don't want to take too much time here, but uh, a guy in the group uh, uh, in my fellowship, he left for a few years and he came back. And I looked into his eyes and I saw that total remorse, that godly sorrow mm-hmm. that brings forth real repentance. And I saw it in his eyes and I told him, I said, you know what, brother, you're going to make it. And he is making it. But it takes that, you know, he, he gave it a shot a few years ago, and he, his heart wasn't in it, the humility wasn't in it, and he, he slipped away. But now he's back, and he's going to be a great man of God. I know he is, because I see he's counting the cost. And you know, his wife told him the other day, and she, she's a tremendous saying, apparently, and she said, you know, you, I've forgiven you, but you need to forgive yourself. Well, he does, but and that is a, that's a key thing in our recovery. But he's really counting his cost. That's a necessary thing. It, it is a necessary thing to, to weep and, and to, to have sorrow over what you've done and to look at it in all its ugliness. Uh, it's not easy to do. And I think it takes the same kind of courage uh, to do that uh, is very much akin to the same kind of courage that took Jesus 
to a cross. Uh, you got to have guts to admit to somebody the stuff you've done and how much it's hurt people. You have to have some guts. Mm-hmm. And that's really one of the first principles that God showed me uh, that became, I knew it was the beginning of a book for me, was, you know, Jesus, had, he was a man. And, and he feared, he hated to be separated from God, which he knew he would be at the cross, but he had the guts to do it. He resurrected to a new life. We resurrect to a new life. We just don't have to have the, the, the uh, crucifixion, but we have to have the emotional crucifixion. Mm-hmm. We have to be willing to be naked uh, emotionally and spiritually before others. If we'll do that, if we will take the, take the example of Jesus and the cross, we will resurrect to a new life. It's called recovery. Well, and you know, it's interesting because that's the combination of humility and courage are not typically two characteristics that we put together. And yet, no. when you really think about the the transformation that takes place, in, if we're going to really be open up, open to the journey that God wants to take us on, those two characteristics must walk hand in hand. Because in order to, like you said, in order to share your story, that takes a lot of guts, right? Mm, but it, it does. But in order to share your full story in a way that has a the the right kind of openness and and honesty, that requires humility. So so you you know you can't yeah, yeah. you can't keep your facade. You can't keep pretending that you're something you're not. So there's a humility there, but then to actually step through and share it, man, that takes guts. It takes courage. So it, I'm it, always it really commending does. men when we do our workshop or when I see a guy in a group. One of the first things I will always tell him is I will say, I commend you for being a courageous man. Because just to step into an environment where you're invited to share your story, that's a courageous act for somebody who's maybe been playing the part and living the double life for so long. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of guts to step into that honesty. I do want to. It, it I, really does. I, I do want to ask you one uh, one question here that I think is really important that I think will really help our listeners is, you know, as you seek to minister to other men and create environments that are safe for guys to share their story. When you have that guy on day one that steps into a group or or reaches out to you or that you connect with, what are some of the first things you tell that guy are essential for him to be able to take the steps in the right direction? The the, the very first thing, my favorite absolute word in the English language is hope. You have to have hope because Mm-hmm. I, I'm a 17-year veteran of recovery. I, I'm surrounded by men who are really living, breathing miracles. Uh, and you have to have the hope that the same God who changed me and who set free these other men that that are around me, is he's no respecter of persons. And you've got to put your hope in him first and foremost. And then the second thing I always tell guys is, you know, you've got to give it a shot. you got to give it a good shot. I always encourage men. Uh, like, for instance, in my fellowship, first-timers, give this six months because in that time, you you know, the shame will diminish. You'll find the affirmation and, and uh, absence of judgment, and then you'll begin to find relationships that you need. And it's 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 not an overnight process. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody, you, you know, maybe easy to think that, well, you come into a meeting and, you know, you spill your guts and you you feel better. Yeah, you do. But God's got to do the transformation. He's got to begin to to work with you. Um, and experience when I, I first got started, of um, I'd been sober. I hadn't acted out sexually in like three months. And I write about this in my book. Uh, I had to. I was tra- I was uh, had left the prayer chapel and 
was on my way home, and I was thinking, well, I got to take out the trash, and I got to do this, that, and the other, and yeah, I got to cry. And I did. I mean, I sat and I cried. I soaked a, a baseball cap I was wearing because I was grieving the addiction, and that sounds funny. But the addiction, which has kept me isolated and hurt me all these years, had also been my pain relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's various stages you go through. Uh, and I, you know, I had a chilling moment when I was a, a year celebrating a year sober of, uh, hearing uh, some people have heard the voice of God. I've heard the voice of the devil. I know for a fact, he said to me, okay, you got a year of sobriety. Now let's get back to who you really are. Mm. And it chilled me to my bones because the devil will lie to you, but there'll always be a bit of truth in it. There'll always be enough of something in it to cause you to doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it, it chilled me, but fortunately I was, I was in a good relationship with a, with a sponsor and with a whole fellowship of men and I was able to make it past, past that point. So, uh, it, it, you know, uh, it's a lot, God can do anything. I believe, you know, in deliverance, I know of those kind of instances, I will say I've never seen that in sexual addiction, uh, because I think he wants, he, he wants to change us. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not just, you know, I, I no longer have an appetite for, for nicotine. This is, uh, this is, this is relational. This is a sin against your body. Right. It's it, learning it to goes, be, it's learning to be whole. And, yeah. and that doesn't, and you know, the, when you talk about wholeness as it pertains to an addiction to a substance that's not part of your biology, then that wholeness does have a sense of you've got to cut that off from your experience. But when you're talking about your sexuality, you don't have that opportunity. You have to learn to be whole while bearing the very thing that you've struggled with in the past. In and terms we're of, all sexual beings. Yeah, and so that's why I think uh, the only other addiction that I've related sexual addiction to is a food addiction. Food, be- I knew you were so, going to say food. So that's why it's a very difficult thing because it's like, hey, these are woven into our biology. And even with your, right. with your sexuality, it even goes deeper than your stomach in the sense of food because your sexuality is woven, I believe, into both your emotional and your spiritual being as well. And so there's a whole another deeper dynamic. But I do want to ask you another question about, you know, when you're talking about this being a long thing and you, and you tell guys to, hey, give it six months, give it a try, this kind of thing. And the first thing that popped into my mind is is usually a word that a lot of people associate with, you know, um, doing anything of any value, and that's the idea of having patience. But I like to turn it around a little bit when you think about um, recovery and when you think about dealing with a sexual addiction in particular, is it's so much more than just patience, and I typically use the word endurance. And so why don't you speak to the listener about this idea of there's an enduring quality that true recovery draws out in us, that we have to really engage an endurance mentality versus just, you know, the white knuckle it or just be patient or just, you know, hold. It's more of like, what does endurance have to do with this whole whole journey of becoming a new man of purity? I, I think even before endurance, it, it, you have to look at the Gospels and see that Jesus asked for cooperation. Uh, the the uh, man at the pool of Bethesda, uh, he, he instructed him to rise up, but the man had to make the choice himself. Okay, this man told me to rise up, I'll do it. You've got to work with God. Uh, and you got, which translates into, Jonathan, uh, you've got to show up for meetings, uh, fellowship meetings. You've got to, mm-hmm. to maybe 
read recovery literature. You've got to um, not be afraid of relationships within that fellowship. You've got to do your part. God's in it. And, he, he, you know, I, I, I always greet new, new guys in our fellowship with this. Uh, I, I'll clean it up a little bit. But I say, well, basically we're a two-step program. One, stop acting out. And two, change everything else about your life. Hmm. It always gets a laugh, but, you know, the first step is stop. Uh, you know, the second, and if you will stop, if you cooperate with Jesus, he will take care of the rest. And he really does. And he does that through the fellowship and through, uh, you know, things you do. But you've got to, you have got to uh, use that word endure. You've got to endure. The things don't happen overnight. The other thing I always tell people is, you know, I got some good news and I got some bad news about this fellowship. The bad news is uh, this is for the rest of your life. The good news is, this is for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And and it's so true because initially you, you don't want to be there. You, uh, most people, uh, you don't want to have to endure the, you know, the agony of exposing yourself and whatever. But as you become free, then you begin imparting that freedom to other people and you develop a passion and a zeal uh, for recovery. But the real zeal and the real passion comes through that relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, let's and talk about that. Strength. Let's talk about that issue yeah. of, of freedom, too, because I think sometimes people enter into recovery and they quickly get immersed into what I call a management mode of, of listen, because I agree with you in terms of the rest of your life mentality, that this is a journey, it's ongoing, it's unfolding. There's always new layers of brokenness that God is seeking to heal and, and quote-unquote, recover us from, you know. But there, I do also believe that too many guys they get they get so laser focused on the not acting out part mm-hmm. that they don't really understand what true freedom in Christ is all about. And so, why don't you speak to that a little bit? This idea of man, there's a whole new world that God wants to introduce you to. That's not wow. just about a vision of not doing something. It's so much bigger than that. Well, first of all, and this is something you you will only see in hindsight. I would not have the the relationship I have with Jesus Christ without having been a sex addict. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he used it, and he he turns all things for good. Uh, I don't miss being a sex addict, of course, but the other thing is I have a new life. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not ashamed of myself. God has he really has okay, stop acting out, but it, he changed everything else about my life. My identity became in him. Uh, I abide in him. I love him. Uh, he's my best friend, and, and this happens over time. And it's it's he does all the work. You, all you got to do, basically, I always say, is just show up, uh, endure, uh, keep, keep hanging in there with it, and keep battling through the discouragement. Very common uh, for for someone new to sexual. Common, I think it's probably hundred percent. Most sex addicts are going to have a slip early in your recovery, and they may have a slip slips throughout your recovery. Uh, and you can't let things like that get you down. We're going to sin every day. That doesn't give you a license to sin, and, and you have to do your utmost to, to keep from it. But you can't get yourself shamed either and, you know, get into that whole thing of being condemned. So we've got a few minutes left here, Ken. I would love for you to just give any other kind of tips or advice you'd have for the person that's out there listening that's saying, Let's think about several categories. There's the guy who he has never uncovered his story. 
Uh, and mm-hmm. so what would you say to him? And then also the guy who is feeling like I'm, I'm feel, you know, I'm kind of in recovery. I've been part of a group or I've been connecting with some men, but I'm feeling stuck. So what would be the words of encouragement that you would give to the, both of those categories of men that might be listening right now? Well, with the first category, uh, you've got to find someone else, but that other person has to be safe. Uh, I know in my own recovery, I, you know, talked to Christian counselors who, at the time, this was early 90s, had no clue about sexual addiction, mm-hmm. and they weren't of any help. Uh, you've got to find a safe environment, an, an anonymous environment, where there are other, other men just like you who can share their experiences. The other thing, and, and I don't mean to be a hardliner, but you don't get to see God without going through his son, Jesus. You've got to find a faith-based recovery group. You have to be something that's built upon the Word of God and in Him. Our group is a rough bunch of guys. Uh, we're not we're not religious at all, but we gather in His name, and and we study you know a a lot of things. We use the Serenity Bible. It's not preachy. It's not real holy. It's not real self righteous or anything like that. But He's at the center of it. Uh, and he's at the center of it in a very, very natural way. Nothing's going to happen without Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, throw stones at me if you will, but that's my experience. It's what I believe and it's what I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the guys who struggle, uh, they've, you know, a lot of times, and uh, we have a, a, a women's, a wives' fellowship that's a component to to the, the uh, men. And it's it's pretty sad in a certain way because, there's just not a lot of grace among those wives. They've been hurt. They're the victims instead of the perpetrators. Uh, and that, I think, I'm not blaming the wives, but that can that can get you stuck. You know, your grace and your forgiveness has to come from, from the Lord and from your relationship. Uh, you know, this whole business of husbands and wives complete each other's bunch of garbage. Only Jesus completes you. You have got to have that, that for the sex addict who who knows some things, they've experienced a measure of recovery. If you're not getting ahead, if you're not moving ahead, the the problem is really, I think, your relationship with Jesus. Uh, You know, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. The first first group he he spoke of uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, that uh, indicates to me that you've got to dig into him a little bit more. Uh, and that's you just can't plateau in this. You've got to keep going. You always have to keep moving forward. Uh, what's that like? I don't know. I like to believe, and I, and I do believe, that when Jesus said it is finished, it is finished. And we're all as human beings wondering, okay, well, so what, so now what do I do? The Holy Spirit within you has a custom plan just for you because we're all uniquely made. And he will lead you and guide you. But you have to seek him. You have to find him. You have to want to be with him uh, to to get his direction and guidance from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the only thing I, I would add to that is just kind of circling back around to our, you know, kind of the the humility and courage aspect of whether you're the person that hasn't um, shared your story or you're the person that's feeling stuck along the way. I think we do have to take a look at our own hearts and be able to say, "Hey, what is what is blocking me here? Is it pride? What's is it, is it fear? Exactly. Is it anger? Is it you know what is it?" And and then really, you know, I, I don't mean to oversimplify it, but I have I've experienced this too much in my own life and seen it too much in other people's lives that you know God actually says in His Word, "You have not 
because you ask not. <laughs> and how many times have we seen guys in, in our ministry where uh, I'll just ask them, when's the last time you asked God for humility or asked him for courage or asked him for wisdom? It's like he is, it's like he's waiting at the door. He is ready to just unleash all of that on you. And we're still standing there stiff arming going, Oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to humble myself in right. that way to ask, you know? So sometimes it's right. just as simple as will we ask? Well, Ken, we've only got a minute left and I want to make sure that people know how they can get, um, get your book and uh, just any other resources that you would want them to know about. Uh, my book is on Amazon and all anyone would need to do would be to enter my name, Ken Snyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R. Uh, on the author line or, or the search line, and my book will come up. The title of it is Crossroad, A Journey from Sex to Sanity. It's also available from uh, Crosslink Publishing, which is online, as well as Barnes & Noble, and also your ministry, Jonathan. Uh, it's available on, under the resources on your page. So that's how anyone would get it. Uh, it's a uh, I, it's a good book. I, didn't, I don't think I wrote it. I think the Holy Spirit wrote it, and I know that sounds hokey or religious, but uh, God gave me, uh, over a period of about 10 years, uh, individual chapters, individual topics, just one-line things. And I knew it was a book, and I, there came a point in my life where I sat down and I needed to write it, and mm-hmm. I did. And uh, uh, it's, it's, a sto- it's a story of my own recovery. It's a story about the fellowship that I'm a part of that helped me in my recovery, my recovery and others. But really it's a story about how Jesus related to people and how he can relate to us as sex addicts. Mm -hmm. And that's where the freedom is. Well, thank you, Ken, for being with us. We appreciate you sharing your story and your wisdom with our listeners. Appreciate you having me, Jonathan. It's been a blessing. And listeners, we look forward to having you back here again next week on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.